Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Hello and welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's great to have you here. Thank you so very much for joining us. Our special guest today is Brody Dorland of Divi HQ. Thanks for joining us, Brody. Hey, thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Oh, I really appreciate having you on. Look, Brody, I'll tell you a bit about Brody. Um, he is the co-founder again of of Divi HQ, which was voted number one content creation workflow and experience platform, and used by big brands such as Ben and Jerry's, Dupont, HP. Mercedes-Benz and many other corporations. Uh, before we go into how you started Divi HQ, Brody, and, and also your experience before Divi HQ, because I know you were in uh, digital marketing uh, before you started that. Tell us a bit about, because uh, I, I like to know, and I'm sure our audience would like to know a bit about Brody Dolan, the person. So who is Brady Dolan? So where you know where did you grow up? What was life like growing up for you? Some of, you know maybe some pivotal influences or incidences that happened to you early on in life. Sure. So um, gosh, uh, where do I start? Well, so I'm I'm from uh, Kansas, uh, Kansas City. Um, so it, you know, for those of you who are outside of the U.S., um, it's basically Kansas is right in the middle, very the smack dab in the middle of the U.S. Um, and you know, the, the, the Midwest area of the United States is a very friendly place. Uh, I had a great family situation, went to school here, went to, to school at a local college here, uh, graduated in PR. And, um, I think one of the interesting things was my, my family, um, half of them were teachers and the other half were salespeople. And so, um, I, going through life, I kind of started to recognize that I had a really good mix of both types of those brains. It's like, it's like good, it reminds me. Sorry, reminds me of rich dad, poor dad book. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had a, I yeah. had a good, a good brain for teaching, and and I had a, a passion for that. But I also, mm. uh, I knew how to sell, and so consulting was a really good place for me. Uh, and so, uh, as I kind of progressed in my marketing career, you know, I, I did everything from the corporate marketing. Uh, you know, in bigger companies, kind of understood uh, that side of things. I went into the agency world for a while, did did that. Uh, and, but then realized that I actually had, had amassed enough knowledge that I could probably go ahead and do this on my own. So I started kind of a consulting virtual agency type of scenario. And, and obviously, during this time, this was the early 2000s, um, big things are happening. Obviously, the web is blowing up. Google is starting to uh, you know, take over in terms of, of kind of our, or I should say search engines more, more than just Google. Obviously, there were a few players early on. But, you know, search engines really started to help uh, us understand uh, the, the concept of, of online research and, you know, using the web to find information for products and service research, those kinds of things. Um, social started to, you know, grow its wings. Uh, email marketing technology had, had really advanced. So, like, as all of these things started to progress, I was digging into all of them. Uh, and, and, you know, being a consultant, my whole job really was to advise customers and, and companies of all shapes and sizes how to navigate this new digital world and, um, and specifically use technology to, uh, to their benefit. So, um, you know, as that, as that progressed, um, I really got into the content strategy side of things because I found that, you know, when you, you talk about 
the web and you know, your own websites and, and the different things that you can do there. You talk about social, you talk about email. Those three channels are reliant almost 100% on your ability to do good content. So it would behoove you if you actually had a good content strategy to back all of those different channels. So I really dug into that, um, read a lot of books, started working with clients to test processes and things, and really enjoyed uh, the, 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 the experience of getting in and working with individual companies, digging into what their customers' pain was, uh, trying to, to do surveying and focus groups and lead, our, lead my uh, clients through this, this uh, kind of awakening process where they actually realize what their customers want. And hey, let's use content as, as kind of a, a mechanism to deliver that, at least you know, as a starting point. So um, we had you know, a lot of early success. Um, as along that road, um, I met my co-founder, uh, who, is, uh, who was uh, another agency in, in Kansas City. Uh, his name was Brock Steckman. And um, so I started using Brock and his team for execution because uh, I would do the upfront strategy work and then Brock's team would help me with execution. So building websites and designing things and doing branding and, and, and copywriting and, and all kinds of different things. So, um, so that's kind of where it started. And then uh, to kind of keep the, the, uh, the story going, it really leads in well into Divi. So one of the outputs of our strategy process was basically developing a starter editorial calendar for each client. So we would, we would basically, you know, go through the whole strategy process. Then we would build out a spreadsheet that would kind of spell out the first three months of all of their website content and blog content and email content and social and, you know, Facebook, Twitter, yada, yada, whatever their strategy dictated, um, that would be, you know, laid out in a three month starter editorial calendar. And then we would, you know, send it to the client and, you know, get it approved and okay, we're off to the races. In some situations, they're going to take it from there. Uh, in some situations, they become a retainer type of client, and you know we're helping them actually manage the content and, and produce the content ongoing. But you know, multiply that scenario by let's say twenty clients, and now like spreadsheets are going back and forth all day, and and like who, who's got the latest version of the spreadsheet, and and you know where's this project, and where's this project at, and gosh, we should probably have a meeting and figure out where just where the heck everything is with this project, and and that's just one client. Then we've got this client, and this client, it. it it quickly gets out of hand, you know, when you start scaling that that situation, and and so we ran into a big challenge, um, you know, using the spreadsheet scenario. We switch switch gears, said, okay, can we do this same kind of thing in a general project management system like a Basecamp or Asana or you know, today we have things like Trello. Yeah, you can kind of do it. You know, you can still manage the project because, um, you know, there's, uh, there obviously those tools are good at project management. That's what they're built for. But there were some very specific, unique things that are uh, important to the content strategy process. Things like um, storing specific metadata. Things like, okay, uh, what's the target audience that we're going after for this piece of content? What's the topic we're covering? You know, there's specific types of metadata that need to live alongside that piece of content or that content project. And, and a lot of those general project management systems don't account for any of that, that kind of thing. They also aren't necessarily as good for, from an editorial planning perspective. You know, you think about a project management system, that there's a project and it has a start and end. Well, editorial calendars never end. You know, you have a blog. You're always going to be producing content for that blog. You have a Facebook page. You're always going to be producing content for that Facebook page. It never ends. 
So why would you use a project management system that is good at managing this, you know, and everything you need to do in this when, when you have this thing that never ends. So it, it was a different approach that we needed and, you know, kind of long story short, and I'm kind of babbling here, sorry. Um, long story short, uh, we needed a better solution. We knew what it needed to look like, you know, how, how it needed to flow. And so we decided, you know, hey, we've got the resources internally. Let's just build it and throw it out to the marketing industry and see what happens. So, so DBHQ, as you were saying, so it came about because of what you needed to run your business. And, but then you made it available for other content yep. agencies to use as well. So, yeah. 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 And, so, um, and sorry, yeah. And I was, I was, yeah, sorry uh, Brady, I was reading on your website. It's interesting because when you released it, you didn't know how it was going to be accepted mm -hmm. by the market. Right? Yep. And it was, it. it was very well accepted. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we, we had an opportunity and, and, you know, big thanks to uh, Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose at the Content Marketing Institute for allowing us to launch the kind of do our big pitch uh, and, and launch of the product at the very first Content Marketing World Conference uh, back in 2011. And, um, yeah, we, we had no idea what we had, uh, but luckily some of the largest brands uh, in the world were had representatives in that audience at that conference. And we got over 500 companies uh, immediately signed up in our beta. Um, and, uh, and it was kind of a whirlwind after that. And, and it's been fun ever since. Yeah. So that's, that's ultra exciting. I mean, to have yeah. 500, especially big companies to sign up. And it was a beta you mentioned. So how, how did you handle that, Brody? Because I'm because I know I've sp spoken to quite a few people that have started software as a service sort of mm -hmm. businesses. And there's so many bugs especially when you're first starting out or yeah. not even necessarily <laughs> bugs just yeah. you know changes you need to make yes um so how did you handle that you got a new you got a new product yeah uh, you got 500 big clients too and they're all come on board all of a sudden so it must have been pretty crazy yeah so so we launched in, in early september 2011 and then we we uh, ended the beta on january 1st 2012 so there was there was a, a four or five month period in there that was just utter chaos and, and because well and and again when you have that many customers or uh, you know testers coming on board trying things out um and you know we we definitely were lucky in that their willingness to help us evolve and and help us recognize bugs and 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 help us figure out how to how to fix things the right way and you know I, I remember one story um, uh, Nokia was a, a big early customer of ours in that beta program and one day they called their their head guy in the UK and he said Brody um, Divi is broken <laughs> we're like what and and yeah sure enough we log in as as them and recognize that they had almost 250 people in the platform and you know obviously a big portion of the of the, the platform is the calendar interface and so they had in some cases they had almost a hundred pieces of content per day that they were managing so imagine a hundred entries in one day in this little mm. calendar grid it was completely broken and and so yeah we, we well so a lot of the feedback that we got during that beta period was that okay we have we've struck a chord this is the right tool, or at least, you know, the, the, we're, our approach is correct. You know, we, we can see a, a market fit here, but we absolutely need to rebuild this thing to uh, enable it to scale to these very large organizations. So yeah. 
and that was what, very much you know, how, how that process went. Yeah, and what I really like about your approach, Brady, was that you didn't create the DVHQ platform and try to get it perfect and then bring clients on board. I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people that have are developing online uh, software as a service or different uh, platforms, online businesses, could be anything, software, where they're trying to perfect it and then then bring their clients. I mean, you, you want to get it as right as possible, obviously, but you're upfront, obviously. You said it was a beta platform. It's a new platform. You weren't, weren't trying to pretend that you had something yeah. amazing. I mean, it was a yeah. great idea and you had... Uh, you'd been obviously your organization been using it you've done a lot of work developing it but it was still new um and and so i think there's a great lesson to be learned there for a lot of business owners out there because i've made that mistake you know i remember i remember working on this project for 18 months took it to market and never did anything with it because it was just wrong it was just wrong so um yeah good 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 lesson to be learned there yeah um, so DV, DVHQ, where'd you get that name from? So, um, uh, also in, well, actually let me back up a little bit. So we launched in September at this, at this content marketing world show, um, uh, back up about four weeks. So it's, you know, um, late July and we are in the process of kind of going through all of the, the, the um, kind of the company documentation. Like we're meeting with a lawyer for the first time to solidify things like our, our operating agreement and, and, you know, some of the, the business documentation that we need to kind of get things going. Because, you know, kind of the September launch date, they, like that's when our business kind of is started. And, and so we're, we're trying to get our ducks in a row. So we sit down with our legal team for the first time. And we're kind of explaining the concept. Um, also, part of the legal team was a trademark uh, and copyright guy. And so when we're explaining it, we're saying, okay, originally the, the uh, tool was going to be called Content Manager Pro. And so we thought that was a good name, kind of really obvious. You know, we're marketers, so we want to you know, try to be Captain Obvious about these types of things, exactly what it does. Um, but uh, as soon as we threw that name out, the trademark guy was like, whoa, 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 whoa there's no way I'm going to be able to trademark that name. It's way too generic. It's too specific to what it does. There's no way I'm going to be able to do anything with that. So you, you guys are going to have to come up with another name. Uh, what? <laughs> Excuse me? We already had logos. We already had like, like, um, like, uh, uh, some like print files that had already been sent to our like trade show people for signage. And uh, like there was already a lot of things underway with that logo. And so we had to put a halt, a halt on a lot of things and we had to you know, go through a whole naming process, uh, you know, in the next few days we had sheets and sheets of different names trying to just rack our brains, come up with anything we could, you know, at the same time, we're also, you know, trying to get a, a new business off the ground. We also still have the agency work. So we've got all kinds of things going on. A few of us were, were sitting at a table, and we're trying to just go over our to-do list and we're like, there's so much going on right now. Let's just divvy this up. And it was, the more we thought about it, we're like, okay, this application is very much, you know, where, you know, the hub of organizing yourselves, figuring out who's doing what and, and, you know, getting it done. And so it just worked perfectly. And then at the same time, we of course do the URL search. Divi.com was taken. So we're like, okay, what, what do we do here? At the time, um, 
uh, Basecamp uh, didn't have Basecamp.com. They had Basecamp HQ. Uh, High Rise had High Rise HQ. You know, those are all the, you know, several of the 37 Signals uh, um, products. And so we're like, well, okay, maybe we could go with Divi HQ and, and actually kind of makes sense because this is kind of the headquarters of divvying all of your content activity. So mm -hmm. it just works and we rolled with it and, you know, and now it's got you know, obviously a lot of name recognition. So yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. The rest is history. Yeah. So Brody, tell us, uh, I really like to hear from people that have success like yourself about what mistakes they made along the way that they really learned from. So is there anything you can think of one, two yeah. mistakes that you guys have made along the way that, yeah, really, yeah. Um, really big ones that you learn from? So, you know, the biggest one that sticks out in my head and, and it's, it's honestly one of the hardest things in, in many businesses, especially kind of the, 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 you know, young techs, you know, startup uh, types of environments is like pricing. How do you price things? And, um, you know, there's so many different methodologies and strategies that you can go with. Um, for us, you know, we <clears throat> initially started out with a freemium, um, you know, model. And um, as soon as we rolled out, we realized that that's probably not the right approach um, for, for this. So, you know, we tried multiple things. We, you know, we've, we've made so many iterations and changes of, of the pricing model over the years. And so one big mistake I think is, is making a big change to pricing without um, actually communicating the value of that change. So, you know, you, let's say you're at, you're at a certain pricing level and you want to raise your prices, but you you don't necessarily do anything different to your product. Uh, that's, that's not the right way to do things. And, you know, we, we certainly understand, and, and this is, is somewhat typical where, you know, you might have uh, a new year, and there's going to be a slight price increase for, for products that you're using. So that's pretty typical, but um, if, if you do anything outside of a really slight increase, uh, you know, if you, if you really beef things up, you really need to make sure that you're aligning that with an additional value that you're adding, you know, a new feature or new service offer, you know, what, whatever it is, uh, you, know, uh, you really need to align that with the value. So, um, so we, we did have kind of a gaff um, back in um, you know, a few years back where we, we did a price update. We thought the market would, would accept the, the increase, uh, but it did not. <laughs> and, you know, our pipeline suffered, you know, in, in a pretty big way uh, because of that, that problem. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so for sharing that. One of, one of many trials and tribulations that, you know, a startup will go through. Yeah. And I can, I can understand as well because we were talking a bit about this before uh, we got started with this interview and in that you're with DVHQ, you've got a lot of big clients, but you also got a lot of smaller clients too. So it's, yeah. it's for pretty much anyone that uh, is organizing content can use yep. a platform. So I imagine too, your pricing, you'd have to be very careful about how you price it because of that fact you're going to have, yes. you know, client clients are going to be using it with smaller groups of people than, other clients. So yeah, I can, yeah. I can understand why that would have been um, a tough one to get your yeah. head around. Um, what share with us, Brody, some of your success stories. So maybe one or two clients that have come along, use the product and it's just really helped them out. Gosh, uh, hard, hard to narrow, narrow it in. Um, you know, a few that I can speak to right now that, you know, have been kind of recent successes. Um, uh, Virgin Mobile uh, is is a, a great client of ours. I'm actually ha we're having lunch with them later this afternoon. Actually, 
they've been awesome. So they, uh, they recently moved, uh, uh, moved their corporate headquarters to Kansas City, uh, which is, is nice. You know, normally, you know, we, we, we have so many clients all over the globe. So it's nice to actually have a customer in Kansas City so that we can actually sit down and, and do some, you know, face-to-face -face things. Uh, but, you know, they've been great. Um, they're, they're in the process of basically doing a complete rebrand. Um, you know, they're completely changing the vision of, of what they want to be as a, as a data service provider and, and, and cell phone service provider. Um, in this crazy world of, of you know, data and, and cell phones, you know, and communication. Um, so they're, they're really trying to put a new stake in the ground. Um, and uh, it's been interesting to work with them through the process of, of them going through their rebrand. They're, they're, they're essentially completely redoing all of their content strategy. They're going to be, you know, doing all new, uh, you know, specific content properties and, and different initiatives. So it's been really cool to, to kind of see how that's um, evolving and us being kind of an integral part of helping them execute on a lot of those new initiatives. So that's been a, a cool story. Um, another one's Red Bull. Um, you know, we, we definitely like to put our feather, feather in the cap that, you know, we've been able to work with lots of Red Bull teams around the globe. Um, they, they vetted us. Their corporate office is in Austria, um, but they vetted us. They vetted several solutions, and they ultimately chose us and started recommending uh, their different regions around the country to use us. And so we've worked with a lot of different teams. Uh, but, you know, they're one of the largest content producers in the world. Uh, you know, arguably probably the largest content producer in the world. And, you know, obviously, if you've ever seen anything that Red Bull does, it's always awesome. And, uh, and you know, the, all of the, the X game, uh, you know, scenarios, they just, they do such cool stuff. And so to be kind of part of the, the behind the scenes uh, and helping their groups execute on all of that cool content, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to kind of watch kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, excellent. With DVHQ, when you first started it, compare that to where you are today, to where you want to be in the future. What what do you see? What, what path do you see DVHQ taking? Is it pretty much consistent? Are you going to be branching out? Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a good question, loaded question. Um, you know, I think when we when we first got started, kind of as we've said already, you know, we didn't really know what we had. We knew that 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 we had an issue, and we felt the pain of of this content process and and kind of the the, the very manual, laborious nature of of doing content the right way. Um, so, you know, I think we're all very excited that we've built a solution that has gained so much traction in the you know, overall content community. Um, and, but I, I would say that we're very much evolving alongside, or maybe a little bit ahead of the, the, the rest of the world. And, and, and as they figure out how to do this content game the right way. Um, and so, but you know, uh, Joe, Joe Polizzi of, of the content marketing Institute always throws out this, um, this metaphor of, uh, you know, the content game is kind of like a baseball game. And, and in a lot of ways we're, we're, we're just getting out of the dugout. Uh, on on kind of how all of this is going to continue to evolve. So uh, we would like to think that we're evolving with the, the rest of the community um, and and helping to recognize needs. You know, as new channels come up, uh, as new strategies come up. Certainly today, with there's you know, there's so much noise out in the marketplace. So helping customers understand how they can differentiate their content from the noise. Uh, you know, the more that we can 
facilitate and foster that differentiation, the better off we're going to be, the better off our clients are going to be. And in the future, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of cool things on the horizon, like machine learning and, and AI. And, and, you know, there's, there's groups like Adobe out there that are building some really cool things to, to bring that more into a mainstream. So we're really interested in, in, in working with you know, groups like Adobe to figure out how we can bring that down to a, you know, an individual content team level. Yeah, I've got a question for you, Brody. I know you would have done this maybe some, more so in your digital marketing days than you do with DBHQ, but when you work with organizations, do you also consult with them on the, actually the, the content that they're actually producing? I mean, what, and what I'm trying to say is, what tips can you give business owners out there about the content they're creating? I mean, what, what's some of the main mistakes that people make that you think, hey, don't do that with your content, make sure you're doing this instead? Yeah, so the main thing that we see, um, and this is almost daily, um, you know, obviously when we're working with a new client, we're uh, we're going through an onboarding process and, and a lot of that process kind of forces the issue for us to dig into their content strategy a bit. You know, there's there's areas of our application that, that not necessarily require, but uh, the system itself gets much more robust when they have built in um, metadata. You know, I talk about audiences and topics and categories and, and, and buyer stages and, you know, things that are best practices of good content. And when, when we're working with a company and they're struggling to input that data because they either don't have it or they, it's not something that they feel like is important, something like an audience uh, field where, you know, it's very simple. All you have to do is, is list out your, your primary audiences, tar- target audiences, or, you know, if you've, if you've gone to the level of buyer personas, you know, input that into this list here. And, and it becomes metadata that is used throughout the application. And you can do cool reporting and, and all kinds of things. But when specifically that field, that, that audience field, when, when they struggle to fill that out, that's a big, big red flag for me because that means they are not thinking about their audiences. They don't have specific strategy related to the audiences that they're serving, what those audiences actually care about, and, and the content that they should be building for those audiences. They're, they're completely stuck in a, in a in, granted, this is the more traditional mindset uh, that has been used for decades, so I get it. It's kind of hard to shift gears, but um, most of the time that content that the, that company is, is uh, executing is going to be very self-serving. We're just talking about us. It's all just self-promotion, and we're just going to you know, continue to try to interrupt our audiences with stuff that they don't care about. That's completely the wrong mindset, and, and gosh, if we can kind of circumvent that and force the issue for them to, to shift that, that approach and that mindset, um, then I think that you know, our customers are going to be much better off. Yeah, that's great advice. Thanks so much for that, Brody. So we've been speaking again today with uh, Brody Dolan, co-founder of DVHQ, um, content management uh, workflow and experience platform. And for those that would like to learn more about DVHQ, you can go to the website, which is dvhq.com. I'll spell that D-I-V-V-Y-H-Q.com. Any final thoughts or anything else you want to share, Brody, before we end today? Um, you know, the only thing I would say is, you know, obviously, you know, we, we've been able to, to promote the platform here a little bit today, but, you know, I, I think it, it's so important for companies to really figure out their strategy before they start employing a tool like ours. 
Um, and, and so the more that you can uh, you know, spend the time, uh, invest in a consultant or maybe an agency uh, you know, in your local area that can really take you through a good content strategy, content marketing strategy process and help you really get a good roadmap for how you're going to execute things going forward. And then we're you know, happy to talk when you're actually in execution mode. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So again, uh, thanks so much, Brody, for everything you shared with us. I've, I've learned a lot myself. I know our listeners would have also. Uh, again, Brody Dolan of DBHQ, DBHQ.com. I want to thank everyone as well for being here and listening today. See you later, Brody. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Hey, John Legadakis here. If you got something out of today's podcast episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as each week I'm doing more of these valuable interviews. Also, share it with your friends. Now, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do so anytime through my website, johnlegadakis.com. There's also a lot of great free resources there to help you to get more traffic and leads for your business. This is John Legadakis signing off. I'll see you all next time.